Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Hi everyone, Master Jedi Colleen here, co-host of Bohemian Geek Studies and yet another Star Wars podcast. But I'm not only a podcaster, I'm also an author. My second novel was published last fall and it debuted as number one horror novel on Amazon, which was really cool. If you like Stephen King, weird happenings in small towns, or just looking for a new writer, give my novel The Falls a try. It's set in Minnesota where everyone wears that nice facade. Nothing is ever what it seems. Find the Falls by Colleen McMillan on Amazon and the Between the Lines publishing website. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I was going to say, like, the whole point of Star Wars is to get in to shoot those freaking things to kill the Death Star. You took that the whole design of that movie. I'm a little... Things didn't go the way you thought. No, I'm just a little... (laughs) Stallone's playing soccer? Yeah. What's going on? I'm watching this. I saw that at a very young age, and I didn't... You're coming at me hard. I'm not coming at you hard. Yeah, you are. I just don't believe her choices. Her choices are ridiculous. Give me me an emotion. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. We're on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. What's going on? How you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while. I mean, not to the uh, listeners, though. Well, no, of course. I wasn't going to explain that. We have not been recording for about a month now, right? Uh, It's been about a month. Yeah, so we are- are, More than uh, a month. Our famed 10-episode cushion is no more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, but we will be endeavoring to increase that uh, back to ten. We'll get back to that. But yeah, but we took the month off for a variety of reasons, uh, holidays and and whatnot, and you know, personal stuff, the good stuff, all good stuff. I don't know. Was it good stuff? Well, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to air people's business. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? But yeah, so um, but we're back. Um, but you, we've already been here for you. So uh, exactly. So yes. but what are we doing today, Butler? Oh, we are doing. A movie that Do you I not think, remember. No, I, we were talking about. I it. Think, let get the year back up. Uh, we're doing a movie that I think a lot of people are going to say that's not forgotten. But well, they can stick it. We're going to tell you why it's forgotten. Ooh, obviously, uh, the 1989 film Glory by Edward Zwick. Right. Cue the James Horner music. <laughs> Following the Battle of Antietam, Colonel Robert Gouldshaw is offered command of the United States' first all-African-American regiment, the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry. With junior officer Cabot Forbes, Shaw puts together a strong and proud unit, including the escaped slave Trip and the wise gravedigger John Rawlins. At first limited to menial manual tasks, 
The regiment fights to be placed in the heat of the battle. It's a decent uh, synopsis. I don't it's think it's a pretty quick, but yeah, I don't think I would have focused on. Um, I don't know. It was okay. It's it's a fine <laughs> it's a fine synopsis. So glory. Uh, has a runtime of 122 minutes. It's rated R, production budget of $18 million. It has two release dates. So it's a limited release date. This is when we say 1989. It's because it's a limited release date for Friday, December 15th, 1989. But the limited is like three locations. But that counts. So, And its wide release date is the 16th of February, 1990, which is probably when most people saw it in the, in the winter. Yeah. Got to get those, uh, got to get those Oscar nods. Right, right. So I will do, um, I will do two different movie releases in terms of like what came out both those weeks. So, oh, right, okay, yeah, so, okay, okay. so just when you didn't like how long the facts were, no longer. <laughs> <laughs> Opening weekend, the, I'm talking about the limited release. It did $63,000, which makes sense because, you know, it's only three locations. <laughs> it's wide release date. So that wide, that weekend it came out the 16th, which is President's Day weekend. It did $2.6 million that weekend. But up to that point, from the limited release date in December to February, it was it's its theaters increased and increased and increased. So it wasn't like it just came out in three locations. Oh, and then went it. away. Okay, I got Right. You. So up to that point in February, it had already made $16 million. So by the time this weekend's over, it got back at least its production budget. It's domestic and worldwide are the same, so I don't believe it got a, a big international release. It finished off at about $27 million, $26.9 million. I doubt a lot of the world is interested in the American Civil War. Uh, agreed, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you know, it, this movie. And Denzel Washington and stuff, they're yes. not agreed. international yeah. names no, yet. It's, they're not huge. I understand that. They it's, will it's, be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the production company is two of them. It's Freddie Fields Productions and TriStar Pictures, and this is distributed by TriStar Pictures. So I told you it came out on the 15th of December. Uh, so what you have, these are the uh, Oscar movies or the big Christmas movies that come out. So people, you know, people think come in the theater. It went up against We're No Angels, Family Business. That's a Connery film. The Wizard, Blaze, and then in limited release, Driving Miss Daisy. So you had two Morgan Freeman wow, films. Wow, look at that. I know, like in the same, the same week. Uh, the 22nd of December, which is obviously right before Christmas. The Christmas holiday, a Tango and Cash, which I did not realize that was a that's a holiday yeah, release. I did not realize. I I always peg that as a summer film. Oh, absolutely, right. You had the Spielberg movie Always, which is a lot of Spielberg haters always point to as being a bad movie. In the limited release, you had Born on the Fourth of July, Music Box, and Roger and Me. That is a documentary by I'm blanking on his name already. Michael Moore, excuse me. Uh, and then on the eighth of December, which is the week before uh, the fifteenth, obviously, you had She Devil. That's the <laughs> Uh, Roseanne Barrow. I don't know if he's Roseanne Arnold at this point. And The War of the Roses, which is the Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner divorce movie. Mm -hmm. Danny DeVito directed that, I believe. Yep. So then let's go to the wide release date, which was the 16th of February. You had, it went up against Madhouse, Nightbreed, and Revenge. Nightbreed's a horror film. Revenge is the Costner film. Do you, did you see any of those? Nightbreed, the title sounds familiar, Nightbreed but it, it just seen. sounds kind of I, You haven't seen generic. Revenge? Revenge is actually not that bad. I don't think I've seen Revenge, no. Yeah, it's actually, it's, uh, early, like Spiel, it's early Costner. I, said, I was going to say Spielberg again. <laughs> the 23rd of February, you had Men Don't Leave, The Blood of Heroes, Where the Heart Is, Angel Town, and the, the horror movie, Spontaneous Combustion. I just want to see that now because of, a, of the title. Where the Heart Is sounds familiar, but- Where the Heart Is with Paul Newman. Yep, okay. Uh, the 9th of February, you had Hard to Kill, the Steven Seagal film, Loose Cannons, that is with Gene Hackman, and Stanley and Iris. So that, those are, that, that covers both release dates. 
Uh, obviously, it came up against more of a competition in the December area because you had a lot of big time movies in that time in that period. Again, I'm still thrown by the Tango and Cash film, but you know, being a, being a 22nd of December, but whatever. <laughs> this film, Glory, is directed by Edward Zwick. He has done Legends of the Fall, Pawn Sacrifice, and a movie that we covered a few seasons ago, The Last Samurai. He's won an Oscar for producing the movie Shakespeare in Love. This is written by Kevin Jari, who did uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two. Tombstone and the Devil's Own. He's actually in this movie as well. He's the guy that tells them to give him hell in the beginning. At the end, excuse me. Oh, is he? Yeah, That's he cool. Is. All right. He's the guy. So that he's also the guy that they fight with. Well, he's yeah, kind of yeah. yeah. Cinematography by Freddie Francis. Uh, he has won an Oscar for cinematography for Sons and Lovers. He's also done The Elephant Man, Cape Fear, and the uh, '80s Dune. Yeah, it was in the '80s. The '80s Dune with Kyle MacLachlan. Father's favorite composer James Horner was the composer. <laughs> He's won an Oscar for Titanic. He's also been nominated for uh, Field of Dreams, Aliens, A Beautiful Mind, to name a few. He's a phenomenal. Yes, so this is one of his best scores. For sure. I should say that the score is also uh, aided and also done by the Boys Choir of Harlem. They are uh, a major part of the score, especially towards the end. Uh, edited by Stephen Rosenblum, he did. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Blood Diamond, Braveheart, and Pearl Harbor. He wasn't nominated for Pearl Harbor. <laughs> produced, <laughs> produced by Freddie Fields. Uh, no relation because there's an S at the end. He, he did Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Victory. Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, just to name a few. Did you ever see Victory? The Stallone playing soccer? Yep. Yeah. I like that movie. It's a good movie. Do you think that's forgotten? Uh, that's probably one for the list. Absolutely. Uh, what about Looking for Mr. Goodbar? I, I've heard of it, but I have See, Looking for Mr. Goodbar and Victory are probably, even though they're different uh, decades, they're probably good for the list for people that are younger than both of us, and and you included, obviously, right. Mr. Goodbar. But yeah, I think a lot of the I actually like doing the older films for Forgotten Cinema just because I know people before us or after us, excuse me, don't know these movies. Right. Yeah. Technical, and that's how I came right. into victory was just like Stallone's playing soccer. Yeah. What's going on? I'm I, watching this. I saw that at a very young age and I didn't get it. And then mm -hmm. I saw it when I got older. and I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> they're in a prison camp. Right? I get it now. It's I not fun. And I understand. I always remember when the guy breaks his arm. So that's the one could play a goal. Yep. I was just to add that. Um. Edward Zwick hired a technical advisor for this movie to help with, uh, to help with obviously the uh, Civil War aspect and just kind of like to be authentic like, on the good side of history. Yeah, authentic and the good side of history in terms of like what they're doing. And he, that person was Shelby Foote, and he has written the Civil War TV. He was an advisor for the Civil War TV show that Ken Burns did, the miniseries, and he also he's also done Shiloh, a novel. He's done a bunch of books, and he's a writer. Did you watch that Civil War miniseries? Because uh, no. I had meant to, and I didn't watch no, it. No, no, I never, hmm. uh, I never really. Not a huge doc guy, um, but I do watch a few. I mean, would I go back? I should. I probably should watch it. I mean, but, you know, I don't know. I'm more of a fictional narrative person, I guess. I, I don't know. But 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 I do like some docs. Uh, so you had Matthew Broderick as Colonel Robert Shaw. He's obviously from War Games, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Election. Denzel Washington as Private Trip. He has won an Oscar for Training Day. He's also been nominated for Malcolm X and The Hurricane, to name a few. Carrie Elways as... Uh, Cabot Forbes or Major Cabot Forbes. He's done Saw, The Princess Bride, and the remake Black Christmas that came out a couple years ago. Morgan Freeman as Sergeant Major John Rollins, who's won an Oscar for a Million Dollar Baby. He's also nominated for Dream Driving Miss Daisy, Shawshank Redemption, Invictus, and Street Smart. Uh, Jimmy Kennedy, I, I don't know if I said the name right, his private Jupiter Sharts. I think that's the guy that was the sharpshooter. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. He doesn't he didn't really do much after this. He's he's in the dream team and gung ho. I saw that because when I was looking at him, I was like, he's good. But yeah, I, I didn't. Do yeah, I don't. Well, maybe he just wasn't into it. Yeah. Andre Brower as Corp Corporal 
Thomas Searles. Young Andre Brown. This is his feature film debut. Uh, I I know him from Homicide Life on the Street. That's when I knew, first kind of knew of him. I know you know him from Brooklyn. Everybody Nine. my age and younger I know. knows him from Brooklyn. There's Nine the Nine. gap right there. There's hope. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's also in a bunch of other movies. He's also in Primal Fear as well. He's really good. And uh, Frequency. Frequency, you're right. Yep, yep. John Finn as Sergeant Major Mulcahy from the Pelican Brief. Catch me if you can at Blown Away. He is a character actor, so you would recognize him in other stuff. He's probably been in a ton of like uh, TV shows and episodes. He's played a lot like of that. Irish guys. I saw oh, he's probably Irish. No, he's not. Finn? Yeah, he's uh, from New York. Oh, maybe he know, he's got the accent yeah, now. Yeah, he, he does a pretty good job. Bob so when I saw that, I was like, oh, damn. There you go. Bob Gunn as General Charles Harker from Shawshank Redemption, uh, the warden, if you will. He's also an Ace Ventura when nature calls the bad guy. And obviously the ever popular movie, Bats. <laughs> Cliff DeYoung as Colonel James Montgomery from The Craft. He plays the father of uh, Nev Campbell's character in The Craft. He's also in FX and The Hunger. J.O. Sanders as General George Strong. He comes in in the end when he when the 54th uh, volunteer. He's mm-hmm. the one that's telling him how they're going to do everything. He's in the edge of darkness the day after tomorrow and kiss the girls. And then I've got a couple of people here that are, I don't know if you've noticed them in there. Uh, Bill Nunn was in this movie. I don't know if you saw him. He was one of the uh, people, probably members of the 54th. Do the right thing in New Jack City. I didn't. Find oh, I didn't him. notice him. Mark Margolis, who plays the tenth that unit that is they first fight with, is from Connecticut. It's the tenth Connecticut. I know, yeah, they have yeah. the fight. So he plays the one of the soldiers that uh, when they're arguing, uh, he's from. He is more notably, he's in a bunch of stuff, but you might know him from Scarface. He's also the landlord in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, yep. in the beginning. Yep. And then Jane Alexander's in this movie, but her all of, all her scenes were cut. So a lot of them were cut. Yeah. Not all of them. Well, what the beginning with when she's like, oh, she's in the party the, briefly yeah. and dragged his mother. To, uh, his yeah. mother. She is a four-time Academy Award nominee. She was nominated for all the President's Men, Kramer versus Kramer, Testament, and The Great White Hope. So all those actors out there that get their stuff cut and they you know they, they can't get their break. Even Academy Award nominees get their stuff cut. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and one one we'll get into everything else. I'll just do one, one quick uh, note from facts. This movie was nominated for five Academy Awards. It won three Best Sound. Best cinematography for Freddie Francis, and of course, best supporting actor for Denzel Washington. And you got no argument for me from there. So, nope. all right. So, real quick, we'll get into what we think about the movie. I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you right now, Butler, I loved it when I first saw it. I've loved it ever since, and I loved it after I saw it again. So, I got no problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious in terms of where you'd like to start off with this film, what you want to talk about? Uh, Performance, uh, score. I mean, let's look. Let's talk about the score, I guess, because that's sure. where we started talking sure. before. It's probably one of the best scores of the 90s. Well, it's a score that's used in trailers. Yeah. As soon as this came out, every movie that needed like this big inspiring music in their trailer would use the theme from Glory. Yeah. And it's a fantastic, phenomenal theme that I think serves the film really well. mm -hmm. And you build up to it. I love the way that it's, you know, you don't really know the first time you watch it. It's whatever because you don't know it's got this big theme that goes on. But when you actually watch it after in subsequent viewings, you notice Oh, wait, when they start training. It's in the beginning. You start yeah. that. You get a little at the beginning, and then they start training. You get, they hint at the theme. The motif starts going in, and it builds and builds and builds and builds until the very end. And I mm-hmm. think it's just really fantastic the way it's done. It's a, it's a phenomenal score, and it's, it's really, I, I think, inspiring and, and probably something that I think inspired a lot of the scores that came out in war films from then on. I think seems to borrow a lot of that kind of motif, a lot of that kind of mood and um, the way it works, you know, in like Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, films like that, all are very similar in terms of how their scores work ever since Glory. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a score that if you heard it 
like just out in the world, you were walking around and you heard the score. Yep. I mean, for me, I know that's glory. Yep. Uh, so like I said, it's been, it was using the trailer for backdraft that came out, I think a couple of years after that, or maybe the, the next year. Um, and I know it's been in other stuff. Yeah. It's been in a ton after that. Yeah. So it's definitely, it, it, it's, it's a score that adds to the film, especially towards the end that you're talking about when they start walking towards the fort for Wagner and you just hear the score going and it's building up and build up. And then they start charging. They start running. He's like double time. They start. And then the score kicks in. You're just like, yep. Oh yeah. But what's funny is that they run up, the score's going on, they run up and then they get into those dunes and they have to wait for night. Yep. And then you have at the end when, cause the, when the score kicks in and I'm going to ask you this, if you think this is probably, would you consider this one of the more iconic shots of film history is when Denzel Washington, when Trip grabs the flag after Shaw falls because Shaw goes up and fall and gets shot and killed. And this flagman falls next to him and Denzel uh, Trip, I said Denzel, mm -hmm. Trip grabs the flag because you find out in the beginning he's, when Shaw goes, if this man falls, pointing to the flag guy, flag, flag guy, <laughs> pointing to um, flag, carrier. flag carrier, if this man falls, who will pick up the flag? And you know, he's looking around and, you know, cause, and he has a conversation, I think maybe like 10 minutes prior, 15 minutes prior when he talks to trip trip, uh, doesn't want the, job. doesn't want the job. He's there to fight. Cause he just wants to kill, uh, rebels. He just wants to kill the rebs. He is, he's not fighting for his country. He's fighting for himself. Right. Uh, he, um, and he's like, don't ask me, don't ask me to be a, he asks him to be a flag carrier. And yeah. at the end of the movie, he grabs the flag, turns around, he yells, come on. And then the music kicks in. Like, would you consider that? Like that, a, a Oh, absolutely. A serious that's, contender for like one of the more iconic shots in film history. That's absolutely iconic. That is that is when you try to remember glory. That's probably the yeah. first thing that pops into it's your definitely, mind. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that is that that moment is inspiring. That's what the whole film leads up to. Right. Is that moment where Trip takes the flag, and now he's fighting for something more than himself. Now well, he's fighting for the people around around. Him. Yeah, his brothers, which is what he says in the scene pre prior to that, right yeah. before they attack. Yeah. Like that is definitely the iconic scene. That and like I think the poster image, just the the red and blues of the night, the way it's colored, I think, is also very iconic. When it gets to the when they're when they're yeah. at, at night in Fort Wagner, I think the coloring of that scene is very interesting and unique. Yeah. And very much something that I remember with glory is that coloring in that scene. I think it's good too, also with that night scene, because the whole movie in and of itself, and, and Zwick says that he purposely they dirtied up the movie. So like they have a fog, they had a fog machine that was on set. Clear out any the, blue sky yeah, and stuff like that. And they would have it on. So because he wanted the movie to be um, you know, dirty. He didn't want it to he wanted it to be, you know, grimy and whatever. Yeah, it wasn't it's not a good time. Right. <laughs> so then at the end of the movie, when you have everything going off and all the fire and all the um mortar shells and everything, everything happening. Yep. It maybe it was not the intent, but it, it does produce a nice contrast with what the rest of the whole movie, the look of it was yeah. compared to what you saw at the end of the film. It really makes the end of the film pop even more. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause I you're thought, not used yeah. to color. All of a sudden you get all this color. Right. 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 Yeah. I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. So they shot this film uh, on February 9th, 1989 to April 27th, 10 weeks, 10 weeks shoot, which it, a couple of that, that with the, $18 million budget. I was like, wow. I, I, when you said 18, I knew it was a 10 week shoot. When you said 18 million though, I hadn't looked that up. That's yeah, impressive. That I, I just like, I can't, I mean, but when I think of it, they spent a lot of time there in that one location getting trained 
it is yeah. it is not it's it is dirty it is grimy it's not like it's not a movie that is going to lend itself to be slick or sleek or kind of look like it's got a lot of production value into it that and a lot of the mean? civil war reenactors they had a lot of reenactors who did it and they didn't even get paid they just were in the film right so they got a lot right. of free labor probably yeah. a lot of free outfits yeah so the first fight the battle of uh, antietam which was the first where you met Shaw. Yep. And it's a, it's an extremely bloody, bloody battle. It's one of the bloodiest of the Civil War. Somebody's head off in the first shot. Well, and that was on purpose because the note I had was that Zwick did that on purpose so that he would get everybody who's watching the movie and basically tell them this is going to be gory. A bad, but yep. It wasn't, but it was, but it's war. And yeah. You know, the, you know. Yeah. So, but the, so that battle that they, they battle Antietam, they used footage from the 125th, anniversary reenactment of the battle of Gettysburg, which had like 15,000 participants that took place in that. Um, I don't, would you ever do that? Would you ever do a civil war reenactment? No, I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand don't, how it works. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not saying I don't get it in terms of like, wow, they're dumb. Why would they do that? I don't get it. Cause I just don't understand why you want to uh, commemorate, especially on the side of the South, why you want to commemorate that moment in history. I don't understand. And, and I'm, and I'm saying that with all sincerity. I'm it's a matter of be, pride yeah, for them. I guess. Yeah. And, and that's just something that like, if someone sat down and was like, oh, I'll tell you what, what I think I'd be like, all right. I, I, I that's really just right. like a discourse I would love to have because I just don't understand. I just, I don't get it. My thing is like, all right, we're going to shoot you now. You're going like, to lie down or is it just, Hey, let's do it. But you got to make sure our side wins. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how it works. The In mechanics, battle, the, what, the, like, South wins. the mechanics of a, of a reenactment when they have 30 people in a mm -hmm. park, I still don't understand, let alone 115,000 people. How you're, how I do, I just don't understand. Well, 15,000. Yeah. For the most part, it's LARPing. I mean, you're, you're in a camp. You, you're trying to reenact that part. I get that. That's like going to. Sturbridge Village or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or but, Wilmington. Yeah, but yeah. then you get to the fighting part, and it's just how do you how do you figure that out? Not Wilmington, the town in Pennsylvania, with a W. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't. But remember I can't. The name I don't. It, yeah. Well, so the inaugural battle, the first battle that the 54th fight in in real in real life and in the movie is at James Island, South Carolina. Um, they they shot that. It, that battle took place on July 16th, 1863. So it took place in the summer, but they filmed it in February. So, and they filmed it. They were in uh, like near Savannah, Georgia. They weren't even anywhere near South Carolina and it snowed while they were filming it. So they had to have heaters come out to melt the snow, which I thought was interesting because couple that with the Christmas at camp in uh, Redville scene where they're on and camping, which and was it, March, which is, yeah, they shoot that in March and they had to actually bring snowblowers in to blow chipped ice onto the ground. But my point of bringing up that battle was one of the things that struck me with that battle, because the 54th comes and saves uh, the 10th Connecticut's neck there, the walking up fire and they're just walking close. Like it's like me and you right now, like almost yep. like that distance. And they're just like fire. All right, man. It's like, Oh my God. So formal. That's uh, a, <laughs> it's my third note when I'm doing it, even from the uh, battle of Antietam. Ah, yes. Straight line fighting. <laughs> the idea of not lining up to die hasn't been invented yet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. I, at some point, no one's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. It's like world war one was the first time or not even cause they still made trenches. Like world war two is the first one was like, you know, we could like surprise them from the side. <laughs> well, two things. One, the, the, the guns back then are not great. They're not like, they're, Oh no. Yeah. They're, they're wildly reload. Faster. Wildly, inaccurate, wildly <laughs> inaccurate. But number two, the scene at the end with Fort Wagner, the, they talk about at the end how they never took the fort, which is not entirely true. They did kind of take they the fort. They did end up because the because South the, left it. The South leaves it because their water supply gets contaminated with like dead Union soldiers. But my point was that they actually built zigzag trenches leading up to the fort. Yeah, but as they're dying, life. they're trying to like slowly zigzag their way up. Yeah. 
So they so they did do that trench kind of warfare that you were talking about a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Now about the fort. Yes. This is my only thing I think I don't know if I like about the movie. Okay. That it it's almost certainly a miniature. Mm-hmm. And it really looks like a miniature. Really? You thought so? I did what, not. In the uh, wide shots? In the wide shots during the day when they're showing the mortar shells going off of it and then I they, see, I they switch to that side shot. I just like it looked like an old Godzilla miniature. I wasn't a big fan of it. I don't think it was a miniature though. I think the wide shots on the daytime beach might have been. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I didn't I didn't notice. I, mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan. Okay. Well, the fort's not there anymore. Erosion right. has ruined the I guess fort. it's under oh, it's underwater yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the tides are rising. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I live on the beach. Do you know some of the Civil War reenactors? <laughs> some of the Civil War reenactors who took part in the film did it for no pay. They volunteered and did it for no pay. I hey, did. Are you kidding me? Because I mentioned that already. I didn't, oh, no, no. But I, well, I'm I sorry. Said they did it for free. I thought you were talking about, I apologize. I thought you were talking about the Gettysburg people because that's their own thing. Oh, no. I'm sure they also didn't get paid. Okay, but no, yeah. Then, that, then they, I don't. Then but yeah. To I that mean, point, I don't. That's not that. crazy to me. That's crazy Because they me. love to reenact. Yeah. But so it's you, like you want to reenact where you're going to have a huge audience? Come They're probably like, yeah. Did you think people watching that movie were like, the big takeaway, they were like, I want to be a reenactor. No, but I think the big takeaway for the reenactors were, this is cool. Now I'm in a movie. Mm, I'm in a movie. I'm on the wrong side, but I'm in a movie. Well, some of them were Union soldiers doing it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> on the wrong side. I, I, I will say this. It wasn't just a miniature I didn't like. I wasn't a big fan of Broderick's affected fancy voice. Well, I, okay. Well, it did seem forced. Well, let's times. talk about, let's talk about the performances. Um, I, my, one of my notes about, about Broderick was that I liked him in the movie, but I don't love him. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. He's coming from a wealthy family. Oh, I understand family that. in Boston. That's how he's going to talk. That's how he's going to. I mean, that's not, I mean, do you, uh, do you really want something where there's a shift in the way he speaks? Because there's a good stuff in the movie when he's talking to Forbes about you can't like him when their friend that they had growing up, which was Andre Tom, Brower's you can't character. talk to the unenlisted men. I right. get that. Yeah. It's not that I don't like his performance. I think he gets a lot of flack for his performance in this, which I don't think is deserved. But the affected voice, I'm not a big fan of because it just seems to kind of come in and out. It seems like he's trying real hard to do that voice, which maybe affects his performance I think that's slightly, his voice, though. He, there's no, he doesn't have to do an accent. He has to do a... I don't want to say elite accent, but like talk like proper. Like he talks I mean? proper, proper, but then he yeah. talks like this, but then it drops. So he then really, it, he really tries to do it though. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Is the difference in his accent or the way he speaks, does that change over the course of the movie or is it back and forth? Does it seems that, back and does forth. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Even at the end when he's speaking to trip or at the end when he, he's getting in front of the, his, his men to charge. He definitely has moments where he doesn't use it, which is more conversational, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But when he does use it, it's definitely like he's not used to it, which a person in his stature would be used to it. Okay. It just sounds like Broderick's like, I got to make sure I sound like this. Whereas Carrie Elways as Cabot Forbes doesn't have as heightened of an affected accent, right. but he does still use a heightened uh, voice. Or way to, way of speaking, but it doesn't seem as forced when he does it. Well, he seems like somebody who is somebody who just has a good time, and he he's joining up because his friend joined up. Like like he's you joined up the fight because that's what everyone else does. But he's somebody who would just rather be like, you know, like my note is that even in Civil War times, Carol Ways is still a cad. Like like that's, yeah, oh, like, yeah, that's for the sure, kind yeah. of character he is. So it doesn't get at no point do I just towards the end of his character. Cause he's always just kind of like, Hey, I'm here. And then he gets yelled at one time by Shaw. 
And then Shaw basically tells him that you need to, oh, what was the thing when he tells him he's got to do, he's got to hit him or strike him or something. It, like it just seems his Forbes character changes a little bit to understand that this is a serious, they're, what they're doing is serious. You know oh, sure. I mean? yeah. yeah. That Shaw is training them for battle. Yeah. And Forbes is just like, these men will never see battle. And that's the, yeah, it's just, see know. that, that was the thing too, that I, I wanted to know if you thought that if they never saw battle, like would Forbes have been okay with that? Like Shaw's always the one pushing to fight. Forbes have absolutely have been right. Yeah. They actually cut a scene toward the end of the movie where Forbes goes into Shaw's tent and tells him he doesn't want to charge the fort because yeah. he doesn't want to die. He thinks he's going to die. Yeah. Um, which absolutely makes sense. I don't think Forbes, Forbes wants to hang out. Yeah. He wants to chill with Tom, which he's not allowed to do. He's not allowed to talk to Tom. He just wants to hang out in the camp. He's okay being away from the action. I think at the beginning of the film, we see that Shaw is very affected with clearly PTSD from his experience at Antietam. Yeah. And I think, but Dude, we also little see- little scar on his neck that they keep showing. Yeah. Him. All right, we get it. He's got a scar. Ooh, oh God, it's so ow. tough. That guy got his head blown off. Well, I think, I think that's shown when he's in the hospital. And yeah. They're preparing, oh, that doesn't hurt, does it? And he's listening to the guy get his leg cut I, off. You know what? Not to cut not to cut you off in your point. We'll get to it. Um, I thought that scene was really good because what I liked about the scene was there's no music. Mm -hmm. It was just matter of fact. And he's just in there and the person's dressing his wound and they're having a conversation and he has to watch this guy plead for them to stop cutting his leg off. I'm yep. like, I was like, God, oh, that's terrible. Absolutely. I thought that scene was really done well. But go ahead to your point. I apologize. Well, I think that's fine. Uh <laughs> I think we also see Forbes is also affected with his own sort of PTSD, like drinking from the bottle, mm -hmm. being okay, being in the camp, not doing, not finding battle. Yeah. You know, that kind of fear, because when we're in the battle of Antietam, we kind of see Forbes being brave mm -hmm. and then he kind of doesn't want to fight after that. Right. And then obviously once Shaw falls, then Forbes all like, screw this, let's go. Yeah. Just like the rest of them. You know, what's funny, not funny, but your two leads are basically Washington and Broderick is Shaw and Tripp. Um, mm -hmm. And they'll build as two leads and they die before the ending of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like they get shot. On oh, yeah. Hill, and then everyone charges in that the end of the movie with a song where they're I don't think you think they're going to make it, but they're charging through the fort and the, the, the music kick up and they and then they could they come to the end. And there's just rebels there with uh, it's just a hundred more rebels. Yeah. Fire cannons in the smoke and they're you have to assume they're just dead. Well, over half the regiment did die. Right. Yeah. Well, I just thought that was interesting that like the two people that were your leads they're they don't finish the movie. That's like, true. They yeah, don't that, they, they don't, don't have that heroic moment of charging through the fort. They have their their own personal heroic. Right, moment. right. They're the inspiration for the rest of the right. heroism. Which I guess Major Cabot Forbes is actually based on a real guy. Yes, he, um, he is based. Go ahead. Do you know that name? No. Okay, I have it. Okay. Forbes is based on Edward Hollowell. Yes, who, who I guess survived. Who he he leads the fifty fourth after Shaw dies. Yeah, and Shaw is the only other real life person. Everyone else, they kind of. Made up, obviously. Right. Um, you know, this or movie, they're amalgamations. Of, right, right. Yeah. This movie is based on a couple things. It's based on two books, Law of the La Lay the Laurel by Lincoln Kirstein, and that was from 1973, and then One Gallant Rush by Peter Burchard from 1965, and then the personal letters of Shaw. So all that stuff when Shaw is doing the voiceover, and I know we talk about how we hate voiceover, but I'm okay because these are directly pulled from his letters. I did like that. At first, I my very first note <laughs> in the movie is actually... Tell me you're a true story without saying you're a true story. Is that when it pops up with the letters of Robert Shaw? I'm like, <laughs> and but then he then he's like talking. I'm like, this is too preachy, too preachy. And then I found out the actual letters are real. And I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Because usually you get these characters that are like, Shaw led this regiment and believed in abolition and all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And then you actually 
read the actual facts. On. Actually, Shaw was a racist piece of crap who actually earned five times more money for leading. And it's just like, well, that sucks. But in this yeah. case, like Shaw actually was this person. And those letters are real, which is nice mm-hmm. to actually hear that the good person and like the hero in history is actually, you know, not a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they, they march down there and they get under the Bob Gunn's character, General Harker. Mm-hmm. He, uh, they, 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 they take the 54th and they're, they're under him now. And he has to follow uh, Colonel James Montgomery. And Montgomery is the one that leads the contraband soldiers. Because he's got a higher rank than right. Shaw. So these are the soldiers that were freed slaves that I guess it was Montgomery's idea that they, they'd band them together and then they would go and help them fight. They're not technically soldiers. They're more of like a... They're a militia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what they... but So when they walk into that town and they're like, burn the town down and, and they're basically just looting. They're looting the town. Yep. And they're just burning everything down. They don't. They don't care. You know. They have that one moment where the soldier is fighting with the, the I guess the slave, the, the black woman, and he hits her. And, and Montgomery's watching her, and he and doesn't say anything. And then he starts hitting the, he the, the, the white, white woman, woman yeah. and then he shoots him. And it's just a big thing. But in that, in that, when Montgomery they walk up to the thing, Montgomery's line is secession has got to be swept away by the hand of God, like the Jews of old. It's like that is actually pulled from Shaw's letters. Yep. Which I thought was fantastic that they used that line. And then, but when he said it, I'm just like, oh God. <laughs> It's also, it's super apparent that he's going to be your your bad racist general, like right when he appears. Well, you could, we everyone's, all, times. everyone's all well-dressed and proper, but like the rest of them are all like blah, blah, blah. And then they see their 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 racism come so casually. That's, 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 uh, yeah, I, I yeah, get that. Yeah. But then when you see, and then here's uh, Montgomery and he's got wild hair and he's like not combed over. Oh, it's just like, saw him, I know yeah, that, yeah. Oh, dirtbag. Well, I get what's going to happen here. He's from here. Kentucky. He yeah. said he's from Kentucky. And he, he even said, owned he a few a yeah. yeah, no. He even owned yeah. a few myself. You know, you know that. But even like when they're marching and then you've got some of the Union soldiers making cracks, you know, dropping the N-word like crazy, uh, you know, stuff like that. You, you, that's, yeah. Uh, it's... What, that I want to go back to that scene when they're looting, because they kept showing Shaw's reaction to everything, right? And they never really they they went to like Rollins a little bit, which is uh, Morgan Freeman's character. I don't even remember if they went to Trip too much. They go to uh, Trip just stands there. They do a lot of uh, Rollins and and Tom are basically who they focus but on. But they don't. The they're room. just standing there. There's that's, no. Real, I think that's the point. That's is what I'm asking you. They're good soldiers. Yeah. They're doing exactly what but they're supposed no to do. But there's no emotional reaction to what's happening. That's oh, what I don't I'm think saying. so. Under the surface, no, I think there's a little bit. I'm asking. But yeah. 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 I'm, I'm asking you. Like, do you think that that was on purpose? No, absolutely. They they're disciplined. That's the whole thing. Is that they've become soldiers. Mm-hmm. They've become a unit of actual, you know, Union soldiers, and the rest of them are just even Montgomery. They're just animals. Mm-hmm abusing the situation mm-hmm. whereas these guys are, are trying to fight for a cause mm-hmm. and that's that's where that kind of contrast is right there mm-hmm. it's like yes that militia will never be able to fight or allowed to fight that, that that's never going to happen but the 54th those are just soldiers those are those guys are guys willing sure. to do what needs to be done and are disciplined and ready to follow orders yeah which but i do like that shaw is able to use that to his advantage to get the 54th into fighting. Well, he he finds out that they're bas- they're basically looting and stealing and sending it all up north. They're just they're just down there to 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 loot and to pillage, loot, and, to pillage plunder, and, yeah. and they're not fighting in any major battles. They're just keeping quote unquote the peace. Uh yeah, no, which is probably something that ha- I'm not saying probably always happens. General, can I sit down? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then they they he says they got proof of it. There's really no like it's just basically one conversation. I've got proof. I want to fight. Sign me up. Yep. 
that's all they want. There's no like investigation. There's no like, oh, what's happening here? You know, I'm okay with mean? that because it's gonna be a two and a half. Hour no, movie. no, no, no. Yeah, I yeah. get it because the movie is all about the 54th leading up to the end. 54th proving not proving themselves, but fighting, wanting right. to fight and getting to fight for for the union. No, so I understand that. I wanted to ask because I, I, we're going through some of the performances, and I'm saving the best for last. But I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you about Thomas and his. What did you think of his progression of boyhood friend of Shaw? You know, just kind of like that whole that. Why? Go ahead. It's, what did you think of that? It's tough to watch Thomas. Yeah, but it's it pays off in the end. I think one of the best parts of it, you get a little bit of Tom, like you kind of go, ah, oh, shit, man, come on. When Charles like talks to Forbes and says, we don't talk to unenlisted men. Right. Well, you meet them first time you at the party. Friend. He's like, I heard you're going to run. They're them. all yeah. friends and they're buddy, buddy. Up. He's yeah. all happy. Consider I'm your first recruit, that kind of thing. And then Sean Forbes is like, you can't talk to the unenlisted right. men. And you're like, oh, Tom. But then it seems like Mulcahy, Mulcahy that's what, yeah, that is, is taking it hard on him that he's going to be like this. Oh, he's this racist piece of crap. He's just beating up Tom. But then Shaw pulls him aside, talks to him about it. And he's like, is your friend known as a boy? Let him grow up. Grow up together. He's like, let him grow up some more on his yep. own. Yeah, and he he Which does. Is a great line. You know, Tom Tom needs that. Yeah, Tom's thinking it's all fun and games. He's gonna be this guy. He's gonna he's black and proud and stuff like that. But he's he doesn't know what it's like out in the world. He's not tough. He's, he's not ready to fight. He'll get killed right. if you don't treat him a little tougher. Well, he's in, he's educated and he gets a little bit of that blowback from Trip when they get into the uh, tent at the, the, tent, in the beginning. Yep. And and you just it's, it, it's just a different. It's a different experience that Thomas had than a lot of other people, a lot of other uh, African Americans. Which is nice time. to have yeah, that character yeah. in there because you get that yeah, dichotomy yeah. You, that you, going. You've got a you've got a little bit of a back and forth, which is good. Um, no, I, there's the, the the Mulcahy line. I really like. I like Mulca- I like John Finnan's Mulcahy because I didn't I didn't think when he came in I didn't think he was racist. I just thought that he was just hard. He's training them. Right. He came in to do a job and and he was a soldier. Which he kind of shows when he's like, you guys not know your left from your right, right? Yeah. And then they all raise their hand, a lot right. of them raise their hand. And he's like. Oh, okay. And he even has that moment, and we'll get to it when he has to flog Trip, and they take off his Trip shirt, and you see all the scars from him already being flogged as a slave, and he, mm-hmm. and Mulcahy he turns to the to, to Shaw, to Shaw yeah. like you want me to do this. So I thought that was, but no, his, but he never fought with them. He never, he just trained them. You see him when they're marching, right? But that's but when I they're going have, off. I don't think you see no, him in battle. He's just, he's almost like he's just somebody who works at the at, at the, the fort at the thing, quote, yeah, quote, the training set, there. yeah. Because he gets brought in by Shaw to train them. Right. Almost like maybe he was part of Shaw's training to begin with. Right, right. So the Thomas stuff, that scene with Mulcahy, I remember. I also remember when Thomas gets shot, which is in the arm. But when Thomas gets shot and he's like, and they're both telling him, you're going to go home. He gets shot in the shoulder. Yeah. Which in the Civil War, that's. Well, they're old. And and he shot his Yeah, that's bad. (laughs) And he tells him, don't you. And he's like, oh, Forbes is like, oh, you get to. uh, Shaw goes, I'm jealous. You're going to be home before I am. Reading Hawthorne by a fireplace. Don't you send me home. Doesn't want to be sent home, which I thought was really cool. And then obviously at the end when Thomas, they charge. He's one of the. It's funny because the people at the end of the movie that meet their fate with with the cannonball. Right. Are the people that were. They're not the leads, but they were the people that needed to be led to become leaders. You know what I mean? Yeah. To mm-hmm. charge in. Like they would never charge into that fort into death knowing what was going to happen on their own. It took Shaw and Tripp right. sacrifice right. to Which get I there. thought yeah. was very, very interesting and very cool. Cool in the sense of movie, you know. Movie cool. Yeah, of, I got you. Story development paying off. One of the things I love about Tom, which I did notice this time watching it, I didn't notice the first time, is that in the right before the cannibal scene, I can't remember if it's prior to Tripp and Shaw dying or after, he uses the move Mulcahy used yes. on him with the bayonet. And I was like, ah, oh, he learned. Yes. And I thought that was a big payoff he, there in the fight. He was when he they hop into the fort. Yeah. He uses the same technique that 
Mulcahy knocks him down. Down with, yeah. Down. yeah. Hit me. Come on, stab me. Don't try to poke me out of that stuff. I, I, I thought that was really cool. I was like, yeah. yes. That pays off. That's a small character arc in the writing that pays off, which is like, that's what needs that's to be done. Excellent. Yeah. What do you think about Morgan Freeman? He did all his own stunts, by the way. I saw, I, that, I saw yeah. that note. I'm like, what's done? Well, jumping Running? off. I mean, <laughs> he's still in his like late 40s doing this when he's true. He, I, but, I guess. I get, which is different than late 40s today. Right, right, right. I guess he but, Freeman used a lot of his experience with the Air Force. I read that, which I thought was interesting. You don't, you're not in basic training. You never become friends with anybody, right? But you use power structure to kind of get with people that you need to get with. Yes, yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. I, I, I liked Roland's character because he was kind of a mix of Tom and Trip. He was mature, disciplined. He, I, yeah, he could have been somebody that was. He saw himself in Trip maybe years ago, like when he was someone younger. who could have been Trip. Yeah, but and, now yeah. has learned. And he has that more. great moment with Trip when he slaps him. Oh, that his and, line is and awesome. He's just, and he's basically he's been sitting the entire movie just listening to Trip talk, listening to him ramble and rant about you know just because you know, he's angry. Trip's a very angry yep. person. He has to he listens to it constantly, constantly, constantly. And then finally, when I can't remember what was the inciting incident, he he's Trip about to fight with fight, Tom. Right. He wants he wants to fight with Tom. Yes. He's waiting for Tom. To and hit then him. he slaps him, and he, and Rollin Freeman gives him this. A monologue that's just kind of like oof. Well, because Trip, it doesn't he slap he slaps him as soon as Trip calls him the N word. Yes, because he's never called Rollins the N word. Right, right. And Rollins just goes, Whoosh. yeah, hits hits him back, backhands him, yeah, backhands him, and then it's like, you know, you're so angry, you can't yeah. see anything. So let me let me jump from let me jump from Freeman to Washington because he's phenomenal in this film, phenomenal. And in that moment, like he is doing everything in his eyes. Yep, the shock of getting hit by Rollins. The shock of somebody talking to him that way, tell putting him in his place, being dressed, yeah. yeah, like, like you could, like it's somebody. The fact that it hurts him, he obviously respects Rollins, and you know what I mean. He's like, never been told the truth n- before, right, yeah, right. But I want to talk about the flogging scene. Ugh, it's know. it's horrible. He goes off to get shoes, and because he talks about how like oh they've got shoes, they'll they'll feed me, and they catch him. They think he's deserting, but he goes off to get shoes, and then you find out later after he was flogged. That because that's the the punishment for trying to uh, uh, desertion. desertion on that he was he, we need shoes and then at least a shawl going to get shoes at least to a good moment right whatever. but it's it's funny because they never really rectify that with Shaw and Trip never have like this moment where there's a reconciliation of that flogging decision but but I don't Which, care because yeah I don't think you want it's in, it's, it's, it's inconsistent right. with what right. was going on right so Trip takes off his shirt you see the scars of him being whipped when he was a slave everyone a ton of right. scars everyone's shocked so. Within the movie itself, Zwick talks about how there was there was major tension. It was like he talks about how it's palpable between the actors during that scene because they were doing this on the grounds where these things happened back in the past. But they obviously went along to it. But and he was being lashed. I don't know if you saw this note with a special whip. It won't create lashes, but it still hurts. It won't cut his back, but it stings you. But but he was so he was being hit. Yeah. And so they're hitting him and hitting him and hitting him before Zwick's Zwick stops before he's going to say cut. He hesitates to say cut. Before the last lash. And that's when you get Washington with tear down his cheek. Yep. So thank God he did not say cut because you would not have that moment because that moment is just like, oh, it's so it's just there's a lot of stuff going on. In there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that we, whole thing is tough to watch. We talk about, of course, as it should be. It shouldn't yeah. be. It should be tough to watch. You should you get the same reaction right. that everyone when he takes off his shirt. You have the same reaction. You have the same reaction as Forbes. Yeah. Basically of, do we have to do that? Is this really the punishment we have to do right. with them? Right. Because Forbes, Forbes turns around and doesn't want to hear it. I understand what Shaw is saying in terms about this is, this is the army. It's not about it's slavery. This, is, this right. is literally the article of war. Yeah. I get that. 
Um, I get that. Which you see in Shaw's eyes. He doesn't want to do it either. You can see Nobody how, wants it. Yeah. Nobody wants it. But like, I love the fact that he's just staring at him, staring at him. And then I'm talking about trip. I'm talking about Washington. Yep. We talk on this podcast all the time about how awesome we like Denzel. We think Denzel Washington is. It's like, watch this movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like he, it, like if there wasn't, he deserved this Oscar, which is just, it's just, he's ridiculously good in this film. Ridiculously good. It's just like, I, I'm trying to think like what he did up to this point. This is, was this his first big, big because uh, he was probably in like things because I know he was in um, I mean he was already in St. Elsewhere by now right so which is you, where he really kind of started well, you knew he was good people probably knew he was good but um, no this is his first breakout movie role. yeah but like when you watch in this movie it's it's hard to not sit there and be like holy because he does this movie and then I want to say that Malcolm X is he does Malcolm X a couple the, years later is the is 91 92 92 so yeah so yeah. yeah, he has a few smaller he, smaller films, and then he's Malcolm X. Yeah, he's phenomenal in this film, and it's like I, I just I can't get enough of how really good he is in this movie. And I just thought he was the whole movie's fantastic. But it, I mean, I would imagine I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen this film. But if you have not seen this film, maybe 20 years, 15 years, you know, it's been a while. It go, still holds up. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, go back and watch this movie. It is so good. It is so good. But anyways, I, I wanted to get through all the performances and I wanted to save Washington <laughs> for last because I, I knew it was just going to be me going, oh my God, he's amazing. Which it was. <laughs> <laughs> I did not disappoint. <laughs> he's really good. I, I, all the characters are really well done. They're all kind of slice of life. Everyone's a little different from uh, Jimmy Kennedy's character of uh, Shartz yeah. and his stutter. And like, he's a little naive. Tom, who's naive in a different way because he's just brought up a learned man, a free man in Boston. Mm -hmm. Who thinks his life so great, but he's kind of never been out in the world to see what it's actually like, what mm -hmm. the rest of the world would treat a black man. Rollins, kind of the wise and trip trip. And then even Forbes. I really like Forbes' character because you get the sense at the beginning that Forbes might be a racist when he talks about colored soldiers. Who would have thought? Like, well, I get the ridiculous. sense like maybe it wasn't as meaningful to him in the beginning right and that it became meaningful to him because you know i, I mean? think it quickly became meaningful for well, him yeah as soon well, as he sees how the actor or the, the actress the other performers are well, he's friends with thomas just like um shaw's character is sure shaw. sure so i mean i would think that he has that same affinity yeah but sometimes you see in films you get like the that take place back then yeah you know you get that one you know black character that they were friends with growing up or whatever but sure. then how they treat the rest of the world and like they see him but you with forbes you kind of get the sense that it's not like that. He sees how much it means to all these people. According to Edward Zwick, that Broderick and always didn't get along. I saw that. This is Broderick when he was still young. He was a little bit of a, I mean, nobody thinks of it now like that, but he was a little bit more of like a wild child back then. Really? Not like, not like a wild child, but you know, he had like a streak of stuff, right? Where people didn't get along with him. He was a little hard to deal with. I don't know. I, I never, maybe. I, I, I mean, thought I'd, I thought I'd really. That. Like, cause he was just kind of like out of control, not out of control, but like he thought he was the best, the best. I get that. I Something guess like that. Like it's a wild child. Was a Maybe it's just two alpha males kind of thing, you know, but like, honestly, them not getting along is probably good for the movie because they're they not don't really get along in the movie. Yeah. yeah so Plus, they're friends, but then yeah, all the scenes you get with them, they don't get along. Yeah. Well, we get those notes all the time about people not getting along, but I get a couple of the notes I wanted to talk about was that Broderick claimed that he didn't have to act during the battle scenes because he's, he was scared of all the explosions that were, they were igniting like podium powder uh, was used to, 
to simulate shell bursts during the scenes. And it just basically this thing ignites instantly and puffs into a naked flame. So it's like just they were using some good stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> I was, the whole time they're running in the thing, you could see well, Broderick's got his sword up in the air. You can see him like trying to make sure his footing's okay running on the beach, which yeah. I get because everyone behind you, even if it's rubber, has a rifle with a bayonet on it. Yeah. yeah. It's like everything's going to poke you in the eye. So let's say that this movie is made now. Do you think that it's all CGI? It's all CG. I can't. I mean, like, it's, that's so just not tangible when you're watching a movie. You're just kind of like, mm. it's all like that copy and paste. Yeah. There's like maybe Sean Forbes, eight black actors, and then those same, maybe the back four of those black actors who aren't your mains are then copy and pasted. Yeah, in when they positions. were running on the beach, when he walks through them. As he kicks off his horse and Shaw walks through. Which actually it, happened, by the way. Yes. Shaw yeah. did actually leave his horse knowing that he was probably going to die. <laughs> yeah. Left his horse to run on the beach. Uh, and he walks through the 54th to lead them. Like, there's like at least 250 people there. Oh, there's a ton yeah, of extras. Yeah. 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 It's it's more meaningful when there are actual people there than when everything's Always. a far out shot and you can't. Which we mentioned when we were doing, when we watched um, Last Samurai. Yeah. Even though you can tell a couple of the actors aren't really touching each other when they're yeah. battling. It means more to see all these people. It's more impressive. Well, yeah. Think of think of like Braveheart. Think of a movie like Braveheart and all the people that were there. See, it's not like when we, uh, for me, when I bring that stuff up, it's not me saying I'm an old man. I wish they would do it back. How they used to do it better back right. in the day. Uh, it's not that. I've seen how they used to do it and I see how they do it now. And I got to tell you, I prefer how they used to do it. I mean, I don't mind CG, but when it's used to replace something that it kind of, adds a little bit uh, more of a phoniness to your film. Like mm. this, I don't like this, this civil, this movie this is a civil war. I don't need it to look like Avengers end game. You know what I mean? I, I don't right. need that kind of fakeness. I want it to be, and I'm not saying no one has done this. I'm just <laughs> saying, I don't want that. I don't, I want that. If somebody comes out and I'm sure they will make civil war movies still again, when one comes out, I hope they don't go CG mostly. I hope it is, you know, people. There are still things in that CG can't really replace and can't really do. I will say that, there is some CG in the scene in like 1917 when he's running and everybody's charging out of the trench. Yeah. Some of that is CG, but it's yeah. well done because you're still close up you're, on an actor. You're talking at the end? At the end when he does yeah. that one long run. Well, you see that scene in um, the movie. What they show you, the, they show how they show that, like how it was done. The D, the no, no, the yeah, 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 yeah. And some of it's CG. They have a couple actors and they copy and paste, but it's, it's well done because it's close up. But there's so many times in battle scenes now where they try to fake the close, they don't do close ups because they're afraid of the digital actors. And if it's everything's going to be a far out shot, you don't get that visceralness of being in the battle that you get in Glory, that you get in Last Samurai, that you get in Saving Private Ryan. Being in the mix, even if you can tell a couple of background actors or whatever, or a couple of the rifles do, you know, fall and fl flutter like rubber, which I noticed in Glory a couple times. <laughs> it's well, still, it's I still, kill people, yeah, it's still a better more visceral kind of way to witness this battle and makes you kind of like feel it more. Would you say that this is the best civil war film ever made? I, how many other ones? I mean, cold mountain, which isn't really, it's him running away from war. Well, is the I, only one I can remember when I put civil war movies into Google, I get Captain America civil war. <laughs> Go away. It's better than, yes, it's glory is better than Captain America. Then I get war. little women. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> I did, like I, said, I guess a lot war, of them, war movie. Not, I mean, a lot of Civil War films are about they're not adjacent. the war itself. Yeah, yeah they're about specific. Like, uh, Hateful Eight takes place during the 
like post-Civil War. Yeah, the only thing I could think of, like I said, Cold Mountain showed a little bit of it, but it was him yeah, the, after he deserted. The Beguiled it. is more about them capturing that guy. And yeah, the one yeah. house, yeah. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter doesn't exist. It's not real. Well, there's a couple of scenes where the <laughs> Gettysburg is in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you got to think, like, like, the Red Badge of Courage. Like, that's that, but that's like a old book. That yeah. They did, they, Gettysburg, you talked about. Yep. Um, There was a, what was the one that they did on tv where it was about the fort where they had all the um soldiers with like a concentration camp kind of thing oh you with an a one of those yep um yeah antebellum no that's yes no i don't know i don't know we probably dance with wolves but that's also kind of like in the po- yeah, that's post-civil war you know that's what i'm saying I'm, yeah I'm, yeah a lot of this stuff is post-civil war there's a lot of post-civil war stuff yeah outlaw josie war wales is post-civil war a lot of westerns are like that because they go everyone goes out west to, yep. get, to make their money um to get away from what was yeah. going on yeah no 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 uh so yes by default this has to be but it is still isn't, amazing there isn't yeah there are, it's a tough subject matter oh it absolutely it's is. americans killing americans it's absolutely tough it's the, the you know the the you reasons for the fighting, it's... You can't not do it. You can't not... You can't ignore it. You can't ignore the fact that it's part of our history. Of course. It's you, a terrible should, part of our history anything. that, yeah. you know... You gotta learn from it. Yep. I don't know why it's just turning into a lesson. Do you, <laughs> I mean, do you think... I don't... Because I remember watching this. I don't think I watched it in school. I think I watched it either on video or... Because 1989, you would have been... But I'm wondering if they even show this. It's rated R, so they probably can't. They can't show it in school. Well... Funny you should say that. Go for they it. They created a PG-rated version that cut out a lot of the violence and blood uh, that has a commentary, opening commentary by Denzel Washington, uh, which I do kind of want to watch. I want to see if that's on YouTube. I should have. And then it's also got an um, introduction by Montel Williams. It should be. It, quite honestly, if it should be shown, in, especially in history classes. It should be. I never watched. I watched Last Samurai in my Eastern uh, Studies class, mm-hmm. which I had seen it before. Um, but I never saw Glory in school. I saw Glory because my parents had the VHS, and they're like, "You should watch this movie. It's really good." It is really good. Well, so why are we yeah. saying it's forgotten then? then you, well, you, you did you did say you were gonna tell, tell people, people why. why it's forgotten, unless you had more stuff to talk about. No, I mean, I, mean, I talk about this movie all day. It's I, I, but I get you. Uh, <laughs> I think that you look at Denzel Washington movies, and yeah. I think this speaks to how good he is. He puts out an excellent movie every year. He just puts out so much good stuff. And this is so far down in his it's lexicon. Not, it's, it's not a lead. Granted, it's also not a, a lead. Billing, it's, not, it's, yeah. Not, yeah, it's not a. It's, it's not his movie. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think no one's going looking for Matthew Broderick stars, which I think hurts it. And I think although Glory is phenomenal, I think war movies after Glory also started to get very good. And I think you have stuff like Saving Private Ryan. I think there's like the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers where war movies have kind of. Gotten better and become also bigger as well. Well, World War II is not, no war is um, romantic or glorified, but World War II films, there is a definite romanticism to them. Oh, sure. And in terms of, of stories, there's so and many. There, and there's so many because there's so many different angles to, to do. I think World War II said, is also easy because you have bad, a good, a, a good have, guy and a bad guy. <laughs> right. You have you have evil. And the good, it's absolutely the easiest word to cover. It is because it's you have so, you have def- clear and defined, you know, who's good and who's bad. The Civil War is like we talked about already is very difficult to do because. But I would think that it's it, while it's difficult subject matter, I would think that also adds to a lot it of makes drama. It juicier, yeah, yeah absolutely, I, absolutely. You know, but I think that also hurts because everyone's looking and interested in the in World War Two. I don't think there's a lot of interest in the Civil War, and I think there's a lot of. It's also an older war. Yeah. You know, it's 1800s. 
It's not like you can do like even like Independence Day movies, Independence Wars, Independence Day. No, <laughs> Revolutionary, like, War. Revolutionary War films. There's 1700. Granted, probably gets more because it's about America, the founding of America. America. Yeah. So that's why. But you know, everything happened in the War of Independence mm. led to what you had in this film. So it's true. You know, it's it's all connected. Um, but maybe because it's an older film. I, I, I mean, what else would you think? Acting wise, like I mean. The performances are all great. It's just, I think it's a lot of big stars who have done, gone off and done other big movies as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, it's, it definitely is forgotten. And I think a lot of people my age and younger have not watched Glory. Mm -hmm. I think the tough subject matter keeps it away from school. It's, Even it, if there is a it, PG version. Right, right. It's not Zwix it's, in terms of like making it look dirty and making it look grimy, uh, you know, not wanting it to be blue skies. And maybe that's why people. Yeah. Maybe it's just an older film. It's a, it's it's what thirty years old. Thirty years old. It deals with tough subject matter, not just civil, civil war, but racism in general. Sure, you're dealing with you but know. That's all. But but there's tons of movies that are like that now. But they're more modern. They're more modern. Like, yeah. yeah. This is more like, this is more like deep seated, you know, uh, racism or you know, bigotry that is almost like at the beginning of our, our the formation of the country and when it where it was. And, and probably more people are modern day sensibilities probably want more modern day storytelling. So, something that they can relate to, uh, you know, in life now. So maybe, that's right. It. But this is definitely a movie that like, but now I don't know about high school. I don't know if they're allowed to watch rated R films in school, but like, as you said, they made a PG version. I would think that this yeah. would be a movie that if you were a history teacher, you would want to show. I've watched a couple of rated R movies in history classes. Yeah. And but like that was years like ago. a waiver. Yeah, that, oh, that yeah. was years ago. You know ago what I mean? Too, like yeah. who, who knows what it's like now, which is probably good. We shouldn't know. We're too old. <laughs> <laughs> unless we work it, unless we're teachers. Yeah, no, I get it. I get that. I think it's just kind of older and forgotten and not. People should go back and watch this. And if you love film, you should go back and watch this. Oh, totally. This is in terms of in, not just subject matter, but in terms of filmmaking and in terms of storytelling. Like you said, everybody gets their own story arc. Yeah. Everyone gets a little like rewarding moment, like Tom at the end with the bayonet. Mm -hmm. uh, Rollins, you know, leading the charge and getting a sergeant stripes. Trip's yeah. whole thing. Everybody gets you know, something. Yeah. Although I guess a lot of Forbes stuff got cut for Carrie Elway's. A lot of stuff got cut in terms of, well, she wasn't happy about Well, so it's not, a, but it happens. Thing. It's not, the film isn't about it's him. It's not about him. And that, well, yeah. I don't have the note here, um, but I don't know why I didn't write it down there, but I read it was that one of the things that, you know, obviously Zwick being very, uh, being, being obviously a white man, being a man of Jewish faith uh, was a little bit hesitant to do this movie. Right. I saw that. Story. Yeah. Um, you know, so he didn't know if it, he was the right person to tell the story, but I guess he got a lot of feedback from, you know, like Freeman, a lot of the other actors basically, no, it's, it's we trust you. Good you to do, do it. Yeah. They, they, there was basically definitely a bond there. Um, but they also, it, they were cognizant of not making this a story where Shaw is the hero where Shaw is the one that is the reason for why the 54th is the 54th right. why they're successful. And that was which, something that they had to work on, which they don't. And if you watch this, because I'm watching this through a 2022 lens where I was trying to look for that. Yeah. That white savior kind sure, of thing, sure, and sure. it's in there a little bit, but, but it's not as prolific as some other things. And that I you don't, might watch. I don't have the quote, but it was Freeman who says, and I'm paraphrasing that. While you're cognizant that you don't want it to be that story, Shaw is a part of that story because of what he did for for the fifty four. Sure, yeah, so, absolutely. So you can't tell the story without Shaw. You just have to be careful not to be like, it's only because of Shaw, like that. Kind you of can't thing. present him as a shiny golden god. Kind right, of right, right, right. But he's part of the 54th story. Like the whole, this movie, right. this movie was first, I said it was written based on two books, but it was the screenwriters 
uh, inspiration was that there's a the monument at the end of the movie, at the end credit, they show this like plaque. Mm-hmm. It's this monument of Shaw and he's marching on his horse and you see the soldiers behind him. That is in Boston Common. That is in <clears throat> it's the 54th Regiment Memorial. And you can go see it now. It's up there. Yep. He was there and the writer saw it and that kind of inspired him to tell the story. So like that's it's history. It's like that's the thing. It's yep. it's you can't ignore it. You can't you can't ignore that part of history. And I think they did a really good job. I, I obviously because I've been talking glowingly about the film <laughs> for the last however long we've been talking. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think this is a movie that should consistently get revisited. I mean, we're obviously huge Denzel Washington fans here, so yep. we're going to, we're going to, you know, just kind of like drool over his performance. I mean, everybody, I think Andre Brower was uh, amazing as Thomas. He was. Yeah. He's, he's, it's tough to watch Thomas go through what he goes through. He has a, he has a little, it's almost like his story arc is, is, is a subplot, is a sub arc and it happens in the background, but it's not really like. He's not the focus. The focus is Trip and Shaw and even Rollins to some extent. You know, they're 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 probably like it's like Shaw, Trip, Rollins, maybe I think, Thomas. See, I think those three affect Thomas. So I think Thomas is definitely behind them yeah. because it's their arcs that turn Thomas. Even Trip's arc turns Thomas because I think that's the final piece to Thomas's puzzle when he sees Trip talk when they're doing the um. The little thing at the end of the oh, tent when they're doing the, when the, they're doing the song yes, and they're going yeah, through yeah, preaching. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I think Tripp's final, you know, words to the the crew is what actually is the final piece in Thomas's puzzle of his character arc. Yeah, nice. Well done. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinema.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, while you're there, check out all the other amazing different <laughs> podcasts that we have there. Uh, I, I only laugh because of his delivery. Not because <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on Spotify. I've been told that YouTube is a very important part for place for podcasts now uh, by uh, my co-host. So go to YouTube, like, rate, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. I'm all over that good pods now. <laughs> <laughs> go to good pods, I guess. I don't know what that is. All right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's us. Sweet. Um, now, normally I would tell you what we're doing next week, but I forgot to bring up this one point. <laughs> so, like, uh, did you cry in this movie? Uh, like three times, yeah. Give him, give him Hell 54? Uh, a lot, yeah. yeah. The yeah. the whipping scene always yes, gets me. Give tough. him Hell 54. Yeah. Uh, when Trip brings up the flag. When he turns around and grabs When he grabs the flag yep, at the end. Yep, yep, yep. I didn't cry. Maybe we got a little wet. Teary-eyed, but I, I didn't cry. Tear up, I, yeah. I, it's not like weepy. Yeah. yeah, you weren't like... Cheeks, uh, tears weren't coming down your cheeks, were they? No, 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 yeah. no. No, give him hell. 54. I think I think I cried the first time I watched the movie. I think I cried harder, probably because I had never seen it before. I didn't know what was going to happen. Sure. This time, even knowing what was going to happen, you still tear up a bunch of times. Yeah. This movie definitely give him hell. Fifty four is yeah. awesome when they're marching to their death. Basically, they're marching for those who don't know. They're marching to to get and ready to charge for Wagner. They're essentially a distraction, right? Pretty well, yes. Because they that, that's but they weren't the only ones like in real in history. It wasn't just them that charged. There were the, a couple of platoons. It was yeah. the 62nd and the 67th Ohio regiments who who were white regiments that charged with them. But they led the charge. But they're charging the fort so that they can keep them occupied while they start, bo- they start bombing him bomb from the other all, side. All yeah. that stuff. Um, they had to do it. But when they're they're marching to get into position, they're surrounded by all the other regiments, which are all white regiments, and they're all watching them go basically off to death. And yep. they and one of the guys that we talked about at the end he yells, give them health, and they all start yelling and screaming. It's like, you know, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome scene. <laughs> you know. But anyways, yep. So now I will tell you. Next week, we are doing a movie that's really cynical. We're doing <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing Neil Boots 2003, The Shape of Things, starring uh 
Paul Rudd. I forgot for a second. Who's in that. <laughs> and I think I'm, Rachel Wise is, is, yeah, is the girl. You never saw this? I have never seen this. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Did you ever, did you ever see the other one he did? Um, I always bring it up and I forgot it with is the DA and Batman, the Dark Knight one. Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Eckhart, Eckhart when they, they date him and this other guy, date this like woman who's deaf. Oh, yep, yep. What's the name of that movie? I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't believe I, I have forgot that. that. I can't believe I forgot that. Darn it. <laughs> but anyways, it's one. It's like that. It's like, this movie's really mean, but I like it. Although I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm hoping that it holds up for me because it's what, like almost 20 years old. So, geez, we're so old. That's next week. <laughs> the shape of things. We're getting right back into the swing of things. Um, and that's all I got. So I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.